0: Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Charles Stanley said this, There are times when God will not allow you to solve a problem by yourself. He sends adversity and waits to see if you will call out to Him. What if the problem in your life could only be solved by God? What if the challenge that you're facing could only be met with God? Um, I believe that God wants us to rely on Him. The Bible says that the Lord is our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He also says that uh, God is faithful in those times where we need Him. But I, want, I believe God wants us to walk with Him every day independence and reliance upon his power so that we pray about the things the challenges that we face we pray about the obstacles that are in our lives or the the uh, even the failures of our lives and we take those things to God and we say Lord here's here's the brokenness of my life I lay it before you and I trust you uh, to help me with it Uh, we need God's power And uh, the scripture says here in in chapter 13 that Paul was going through a challenging period with the church at Corinth. There were false teachers in the church that were teaching doctrine that was opposed to the truth of God's word. Paul had gone through a lot of different trials. He'd been imprisoned. He'd been stoned and left for dead. He'd been shipwrecked. uh, And he'd gone through church issues before with other churches. And so... Paul understands that God's resources are sufficient to meet the challenges that he's facing. And he's sharing that with, with them. Uh, he's saying, look, I don't want to use God's power in a way other than to build you up. But if necessary, I'll come and I'll use God's power to oppose those who are false teaching and those who are causing trouble in the church. Uh, and so it's kind of a warning. But as he talks about this warning, he is also uh, sharing with us about the resources that he's going to use. And not just in this circumstance, but in all of life. And these are resources that we can use as well. Uh, so we need to use the spiritual resources that God has given us and trust him with the situations of life. The time My message is overcoming with God's resources. Look with me at verse 1. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I gave a warning when I was present the second time, and now I give a warning while I'm absent to those who, are, uh, who sinned before and to all the rest. If I come again, I will not be lenient, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me. He is not weak to you, but powerful among you. In fact, he was crucified in weakness, but he lives by God's power. For we also are weak in him, yet toward you we will live with him by God's power. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not yourselves recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? And I hope that you will recognize that we do not fail the test. Now we pray to God that you do nothing wrong, not that we might appear to pass the test, but that you might do what is right, even though we may appear to fail. For we are not able to do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. In fact, we rejoice when we are weak and you are strong. We also pray that you may become fully mature. This is why I'm writing these things while absent, so that when I'm there, I will not use severity." In keeping with the authority the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Become mature. Be encouraged. Be of the same mind. Be at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Overcoming with God's Resources. What resources are we talking about? Well, first of all, I want you to see his energizing power. His energizing power. Paul says, you've said I'm weak, that I'm contemptible in in person. He says, I've done this out of a heart of love for you. I've tried to, to minister to you in gentleness. But he says, I do have power. As a matter of fact, if I come and repentance hasn't taken place, I'm going to use that power. What does he speak of? He speaks of Jesus who was crucified in weakness but raised in power. He says, so also we were weak with you, but I I know that we will live with him by God's power. Now... Paul's talking about a problem, and he says, I believe God's power is more than enough to to, uh, handle this problem. And God's going to use this. So he's warning them, but he's also mentioning the source by which he lives his life. In Acts 1-8, Jesus tells the disciples, you wait for the Spirit to come from on high, and then you will be my witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. First, the power of God was to come. The Spirit was to descend in power to anoint them for the mission. He says, don't even go out until the power comes. The Spirit of God. The Bible says that God was adding daily to the church those who were being saved. Can you imagine that? I'm not talking every service. I'm talking every day. But not just in early Acts. Acts. If you look later on in, I believe it's chapter 16, you find that Paul in his ministry to the churches, it says the exact same thing. God was adding every day those who were being saved. I want to tell you something. God can do more in a moment of time than we can do in years. The power of God. The Bible teaches that every Christian has the Holy Spirit of God living within them. He's resident. He needs to be in charge of our lives. But also, we need to pray that through us, he will minister to needs. He will minister uh, in evangelism. He'll minister in teaching. He'll minister in all these different ways as we give him the opportunity to do so. We need to trust God to minister through us. Uh, trust that he will be sufficient. Uh, I remember early in, in uh, I, was, I think I was 15 years old, and they asked me to preach at the Youth Sunday. That's something we've got, I don't know, we haven't done in a long time. Uh, it used to be a tradition. Every year the youth would take a, y'all, y'all up for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd take a, take a Sunday. And they would do the the preaching and the music and all of that. And it was something just to give them an opportunity to serve. Uh, But they twisted my arm and said, Would you preach? And I got up to preach in five minutes. I couldn't think of another thing to say. And I was embarrassed. I I said, Well, guess that's it. (laughs) We'll give the invitation. Brother John, will you come? And and so um, I thought, I remember going down to my seat. And thinking to myself, I will never do that again. But can I tell you something? God has power. And God has enabled me. He has answered prayer. He has worked through my life. And I'm grateful for that. I know that without Him, I'm nothing. That's what Jesus said. And without Him, you're nothing for the cause of Christ. We need His power. Can I encourage you uh, to use the power of God in your life? Let God live his life through you in the person of his Holy Spirit. Uh, Billy Graham, after his great Los Angeles crusade, uh, began to receive a lot of calls. They said, hey, we want you to come do for us what you did for them. And in his autobiography, he writes this. He says, but it wasn't me. He said, I was still a country preacher with too much on my plate. It was God. God worked in that crusade. And God did whatever else came that was good out of my ministry. He recognized the power of God in his life. There is something about the power of God. Spurgeon said the same thing. They used to make fun of Spurgeon. They'd say, well, Spurgeon's not educated. Spurgeon, uh, he was a preacher in the 1800s, in case you wondered who I'm talking about. But anyway, he was in England. Uh, they, they said, oh, Spurgeon, you know, he doesn't have uh, all the training that he needs, but, but God's power was on Spurgeon in such a mighty way. Spurgeon didn't, didn't uh, miss a beat with it. He'd say, well, God chose me so that he could get more glory. He said, and he will get the glory. Spurgeon would take people down to um, the, the prayer meet. They had a, a group of people that would meet in the boiler room in their church to pray. Hundreds of people would meet in the boiler room to pray for their services every Sunday. During the services, the service was going on, and the power of God would just fall. And people, people were saved. Lives were changed. But Spurgeon would point to the sky. It's the power of God. It's not my power. It's not my power. It's the power of God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me suggest to you that you ask God for what you need and that you trust God to work through your life to make a difference in what you say and what you do in uh, your interaction with people. God lays something upon your heart. I say, Lord, use me to be an encouragement. God lays something on your heart. And then you share that message of encouragement with somebody else. You don't know how. God can take a word like that and use it. Let God's power flow through your life. God prompts you to witness, share Christ. You say, "Well, I don't feel like I'm very good at it." Do it anyway. God uses the weak, the, the I started to say the wicked. He uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise, the Scripture says. Just be obedient. Let God live His life through you. Adrian Rogers says, "God can take a crooked arrow and shoot it straight." Praise the Lord. His energizing power. That's a great resource. Uh, By the way, it's not just for service in the church and service in the community on Jesus' behalf. This power extends to every area of your life. Extends to your family. You a parent? You want to be a better parent? How about asking God to help you be a better, better parent? How about trusting God and listening to the Holy Spirit in your relationship with your kids? There was a season of time when when David was in middle school when um, it seemed like we were we weren't getting through to each other very well and uh, i I remember going and, and praying to God about it and just saying, "Lord, would you help me uh, and uh, and guide me in and being a dad to my son and there'd be times that I felt like something would come up I feel like I needed to say something I feel like the Holy spirit would say shut your mouth, shut your mouth, and, and I, I, would, I began to listen to that, and guess what, our relationship is, is better than it ever has been in, in our family, my son and, and my relationship, I'm so grateful to God for that, but guess what, a lot of times, i just be honest with you, I don't have a clue what I'm doing as a parent, do you feel me? It, sometimes you just need to admit it and just ask God to do it through you. It's amazing what he can do. It, it, it goes to your um, living a victorious Christian life. Uh, listening to what God says in his word and applying it and, and putting it into practice about living a victorious life. But also to listen to the Holy Spirit. Guess what? There are some times that the Holy Spirit will warn you if you have an ear to listen. Don't go there. Don't agree to go meet with that person. Don't go down. The Proverbs says, don't even go down the street by her house. Don't go down that street. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he can help you begin to have victory in the areas where you're struggling with sin. There's a power there. Um, Also, get somebody else involved. Ask somebody to pray for you in your area of struggle. We'll get to that here in a moment. But but there's there's a power there that's available. Don't miss out on the resource that God has given you, His energizing power. Every day, I've gotten to where I will ask God. The first thing I do when I pray in the mornings is to ask God to fill me with His Spirit. And then I'll start talking about specific things. Lord, will you pray through me and speak to me? Will you worship through me? And uh, that's how I start my prayer times each day. Lord, I can't do the most basic. Th- I can even meet with you rightly unless you help me. You come into the situation. You do it through me. So God's energizing power. So important. Make sure you are, are uh, taking advantage of that in your Christian life. Secondly... His comforting presence. His comforting presence. Verse 4, we will live with him by God's power. Look at verse 5. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? In other words, if Jesus is not in you, you don't know him. But then he says, and I hope that you will recognize that we do not fail the test. In other words, Jesus is in us, he is with us. Verse four again, he says, we will live with him, with him, by God's power, his comforting presence. Earlier in 2 Corinthians, Paul talked about how he despaired even of life. He was so down, he was so discouraged. You ever been there? He just, he was so at the end of himself, but he said, I found that there's somebody who can raise up from the dead. In my emotions, God restored me. And Paul says this He says, God is with me. He says, I know this is my resource. His presence, his comforting presence, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I tell you, take advantage of the resource of God's presence. You say, well, I thought you just said he's already living inside me. I did say that. Yes. He is present. But what I mean is the manifest presence of God. Um. There are times where you will, you will meet, and, and all of us have these times. You, you have time with God, and it seems like there's not a connection. You ever been there? I've been there. You pray, and it doesn't seem that God is near. You read God's Word, and it doesn't seem that God is speaking to you. Um, you still do those things by faith. Amen? You, you need to con- continue, persist in that. There's a power in God's Word It won't, re- won't return void. When you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Uh, but there is something very special about the intimate presence of God in your life that will restore you and encourage you and strengthen you in your life. And so, <clears throat> usually what I'll do if I'm struggling, I'll say, Lord... I'm having a hard time connecting with you would you just if, if there's something if there's sin in my life would you show it to me so I can confess it um, God if, if there is um, if I'm not believing you if I'm not trusting you whatever it is show me um, or just fill me with your spirit and give me the ability to relate to you in the right way but whatever I need will you supply it Lord so that I can draw near to you you know what the Bible says? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. A lot of times I'm not seeking him with all my heart. I come and I, sometimes I'm just going through the motions. Sometimes I may be seeking God, but I'm kind of laid back about it. I'm not really seeking him with all my heart. And God knows where we are. It's kind of like uh, in a human relationship, right? You're, you're relating with somebody and they can tell you really don't want to be with them. You ever had that experience? Well, you don't want to be with me, I won't be here. You know, maybe you said that. I don't know. But uh, God knows our hearts. He knows where we are. And so uh, come before Him. Confess, be honest, be blunt, honest with God about where you are and what you're feeling. And ask God to give you the, the ability through the power of His Spirit to draw near to Him. And as you do that, as you say, Lord, help me, seek you with all my heart. And he meets with you. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to encourage you. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Uh, What it literally means, the Greek word literally means one called alongside to help. Isn't that a great picture? The Holy Spirit is called alongside to help you. Whatever it is that you're going through. For Paul, it was help with a church problem. Praise God, we're not in this alone, right? But... Whatever the situation may be, the Holy Spirit is able to come. He's called alongside to comfort you, to encourage you, sometimes to convict you. But He's called alongside, and as you meet with Him, your heart is restored. <clears throat> David says in Psalm 23, He leads me beside still waters. leads me the green pastures. He restores my soul. In other words... <clears throat> There were times where he's weary, he is beat down with the struggle of life, and he says, look, what God does for me in those times where I'm struggling, as I draw near to him, he meets with me in that secret place, and he restores me, he comforts me, he encourages me, he lifts me up. And I'm renewed. This is God's comforting presence can i tell you jesus was forsaken by all his disciples when he was going to the cross but god was with him and he had prepared in the secret place in the garden of gethsemane and god had come with the power of his holy spirit and given him a peace and a calm to go through the trials, to go through the scourging, and ultimately to go to the cross until God turned his back because of our sin. God carried him through that whole process. That's God's comforting presence. Jesus had never, can you imagine what it would be like to never be away from the manifest presence of God? Jesus had never experienced that. Until the cross. At the cross, that fellowship was broken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus go through that? So that you and I could know the manifest presence of God. I want you to know we don't have the manifest presence of God because we deserve it, because we're good enough. Because our righteousness is is filthy rags. We, do, we get the manifest presence of God because we've put our trust in Jesus. The blood of Jesus has cleansed our sin. The righteousness of Jesus is credited to us, so that God comes to meet with me, not based on who I am, but on who Jesus is. Isn't that great? Don't miss out on the comforting presence of God. By faith, spend regular, daily time with God, whether you sense his presence or not. But look for that time of of that manifest presence. One of the best places for me is in times of worship. I get worship music. Um, Some of it's probably a little too rocking to have in our church, but... uh, we, we have, we have uh, different kinds of worship music. But can I tell you something? When you sing to God, when you worship God, and you lift up his name, there's something powerful about that. God comes and he begins to meet with you. He begins to heal you um, emotionally and spiritually. And um, he restores you. David said this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. As they approached the temple, they would first go into the gates of the city, and then they would go into the courts of the temple. And they were drawing nearer and nearer to the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah presence of God. And it was a picture of how we spiritually are drawn into God's presence. His comforting presence, such a great resource. Never leave home without it, amen? His energizing power, his comforting presence, thirdly, his renewing answers. He's talking about prayer here. Look at verse 7. We pray to God that you do nothing wrong. We pray to God that you do nothing wrong. Paul sees sin. We didn't didn't focus on these scriptures, but um, in chapter 11 and chapter 12, there are some scriptures about sin. That is sin of sexual immorality. The Bible teaches all sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sin. Um, talked about uh, impurity. Tell you what, that's a sin that is rampant today. Uh, pornography and all of these things. Talked about sins of gossip. Sins of, of backbiting and uh, having parties in, in different groups in church against each other and that kind of thing. Um, Sins of causing, stirring up trouble in the church, all of these things. Paul says, We are praying for you to do nothing wrong. We're praying about these sins. I, I want you to know there is power in prayer. Do you believe that Jesus has the power to set you free? He does. He does. No matter what the sin is, he has the power. Jesus said, uh, or James, in the book of James, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Jesus can heal the sin and the brokenness in your heart through prayer. Paul recognizes this as a great resource. He says, look, every spiritual thing that you're facing, I know God can answer. His answers can be a renewing and a restoring situation in your life. Do you know of somebody who's away from God? Pray for them. Do you know of somebody struggling with sin? Pray for them. There is power in prayer. Verse 9. He says, in fact, we rejoice when we are weak and you are strong. We also pray that you may become fully mature. What is he praying for here? That you would grow in your faith. He's praying for the church at Corinth to grow. You ever said to somebody, grow up. You ever wish somebody grow up? Maybe you didn't say it, you thought it. <laughs> you just need, A person just needs to grow up. Did you know you can help other people grow up through your prayers, spiritually? You can help yourself in that way as well. God, help me to grow. Help me to... Deal with this sinful habit in my life and, and do that persistently over time and enlist others to pray for you. <clears throat> but there's power in it. And um, the fact that the Corinthian church existed in the first place, by the way, was a miracle. All, if you read 1 Corinthians, the fact that there's even a 2 Corinthians is a miracle. I mean, it had to be a supernatural work of God. They were fighting. I mean, there was a fight. You ever been in in the midst of a bad church fight? Not a good thing to remember, is it? The Spirit's quenched. Guess what? Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's life's getting changed because the Spirit's quenched. But Paul says, look, I have a resource that can take care of this. And it's called the resource of prayer. And it will renew what is broken in the church. not that a great thing? I want to tell you something. You need never despair. No matter whatever may happen in this church, in your family, in your life, you have a resource that comes from the very throne of God. As you call out in prayer and he answers, it brings a renewing power into your life. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Some people say, well, I won't won't bother God with that. Why not? Do you think that if you come with a long prayer list, it's going to cause God to get all worried and worked up? He can handle it. He can handle the little stuff and the big stuff and the stuff in between. Bring it to Him. He cares. If He has every hair on your head... Numbered, he cares about the little things in your life. Don't miss out on the resource that God has given you, giving you a prayer. I pray for parking spaces. I had somebody tell me, "What do you do that for?" Well, because I want to park close. <laughs> you know, I, I, I did that one day. I was—I I, forget—I was with Robert Lynch and. Um, I think we were going to visit one of his family members. I forget exactly what the circumstance was, but we were driving to the parking lot. I said, Lord, would you open up a close spot for me? And just as we turned around the corner, there was a guy backing out, and Robert said, wow. (laughs) But listen, I want to tell you something. That's not just for preachers. God will do that for you. You're his child. Ask. So... His Renewing Answers, such a great resource that God has given us. And by the way, if you need renewal, listen, all of us have been there. You spiritually, are you spiritually at a low point in your, in your life? Are you Maybe emotionally at a low point. Maybe physically at a low point, and you need renewal. Cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Take your brokenness to Him. I love what the psalmist says. He lifted me up out of a miry clay and set my feet on a rock. I can't tell you how many times God has done that for me. (laughs) He's faithful. Bring your brokenness to him. He can renew you and restore you. So overcoming with God's resources, what resources is he given? His energizing powers, comforting presence, his renewing answers, and finally, his transforming truth. Look at verses 10 and 11. Well, look at verse 8 first. Uh, We're not able to do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. Now, he's he's talking here about the, the struggle that he's having. The false teachers are teaching falsehood. He's teaching the truth. We're doing something for the truth. We're not trying to oppose the truth. We're trying to uphold the truth. It's so important. By the way, doctrine matters does the word doctrine just means teaching the teaching of God's word it matters verse 10 he says God has given me an authority for building up and not for tearing down how do they get built up they get built up through the preaching and teaching of God's word um In Ephesians, Paul writes about the different gifts that God has given. And he says these are for the building of the church. One of them is pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and so forth. He says these are given for the building up of the body of Christ. But what do these apostles use? What did Paul use when he ministered? The Word of God. What do the prophets use? Well, read them in the Old Testament. They quote Deuteronomy. They use the word of God. What do pastors and teachers teach? Paul told Timothy, preach the word. What do evangelists use? Praise God, they use the word of God too. <laughs> That's how I got saved. I heard the verse, repent, or you shall all likewise perish. And I recognize my need to repent. I want you to tell, you, I want to tell you, there is power in the word of God. The Bible says. In Romans 1.16, this is Paul speaking. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the message of good news about Jesus that comes from this word. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Paul told Timothy, all scripture is god breathed." That's what inspired means. The Greek word literally is a compound word. It means God breathed. This scripture is not just the word of men. There were different men that wrote the different books of the Bible. But the Bible says they were guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Yes, Lamentations is profitable. We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. I'm going to tell you something. I was blessed. All Scripture is profitable. Preacher, why do you preach out of the clean white pages? All Scripture is profitable. Why do we read through the whole Bible? We did that a few years ago, right? We set that as a goal. Why do we do that? All Scripture is profitable. Now, the New Testament is... The covenant that God has with us. But the Old Testament was given to prepare us for the New Testament. And every bit of it is profitable. And he says it's profitable for doctrine or teaching. For reproof. It confronts us. For a correction. For instruction in righteousness. You want to know how to live a righteous life? Find right here. Psalm 119. David says, How can a young man keep his way Pure. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. In other words, listening to God's word and following it. God's word has an inherent power. Hebrews says, the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts and it divides and it exposes who we are and lays it bare for us to see so that we can confess it. uh, And so that we can respond to the Lord. His transforming truth. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talk about this. And says, don't be conformed to this world. We have a tendency to drift away from God and to start taking up the practices and the thinking and the lifestyle of this world. He says, don't do that. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's resources, his energizing power, his comforting presence, his renewing answers, and his transforming truth. What resources are you using today to deal with your problems? Are you using your own resources or are you using God's? Not wrong to try to solve problems, but we need to put our trust in him and rely on him resources let's pray father help us to take advantage of these resources that you've given us and lord i know that if there's somebody here today that doesn't know jesus that they don't have access to these resources because they don't know you yet but god i I pray that uh, those that don't know you would be saved and uh, god those that do know you would take advantage of each of these resources Thank you for giving these resources to us to use in life, in ministry, in our families, in every part.